0: You know you're getting back to normality in school when you come home with not one, but two hot blue burns good. on your hands. That's good.
1: I had some sawdust on my pants today.
0: Nature is healing.
1: You are listening to The Learning Factory. We need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Hasta la vista,
2: baby.
0: All right, welcome back to the Learning Factory episode. Who knows at this stage, it's been too many. Uh, We're joined another special guest uh, this week. We've actually got a guest that actually does some designing for a change, not just, uh, as George Bernard Shaw says, uh, those who can do, those who can't teach. So we've got two people who can't and one person who can. Who's the person who can, Jesse?
1: Well, this week, uh, Dave, we've got uh, Jason Gillespie, who uh, is an... Autonomous driving systems architect. Now, all our followers on on Twitter would have seen my tweet the other day. They thought I was making jobs up, but now it's actually a real job. So Jason, welcome to the Learning Factory.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Now, Jason, Dave, I'll just Jason's also, he is a mad, one-eyed Melbourne supporter. Um, oh, we we're, were gonna have him. We were going to have him on about a month ago on the podcast, but it's taken a month for him to sober up after Melbourne's yeah. drought-breaking friendship. <laughs> yes,
2: <True. laughs>
0: Even I rejoiced in that, to be fair, just to listen to you shut up about it. Although well, you get to give it 12 months, it's not, you're not over yet. Brilliant. We need we need an international rules series to quieten you boys down. Just to, We need a good fight.
2: <laughs>
0: right. been, so, we win those
2: fights, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. Skill, skill, skill doesn't have anything to do with fighting, I
1: suppose. Jason, the, uh, obviously, the we, we've got some very intelligent um, people subscribed to this podcast and would know what an autonomous driving systems architect is. But for the one or two that aren't, and that's mainly Dave and myself. Yeah, thanks, you number one. one? Explain to us what an autonomous driving systems architect actually does.
2: Well, okay. So I could tell you what I do on my day-to-day work. Uh, we have a bunch of different projects from Chinese OEM customers who are very, very keen to do autonomous driving in China. And this is a, a huge task Um they're actually in China, they're, I'd say they're far more advanced with the technology than um, and, and introducing the technology than anywhere else in the world because they have a little bit less uh, focus on the details. For me, it's a good opportunity. We get to do a lot of stuff at the forefront of technology and um, it doesn't necessarily have to work the first time. It just has to add some value in general for customer um kind of things i do at the moment well we have a new type of, a new concept of architecture which is a little bit different to the traditional it's called like service oriented architecture um and service oriented architecture has been around for a while and uh generally in web services often for like uh bank transactions where you have Oh, I'm now starting, I can very easily get caught up in the details here, but... Go for it, we'll ignore you. <laughs> it's a breakaway from the traditional architecture. And so this is, uh, we're, we're testing uh, our, our theories and our concepts. We started off doing um, like literature studies and uh, market studies to see how the rest of the industry was implementing a service-oriented architecture. <clears throat> um, we saw what? works and what doesn't work in, in a lot of use cases. And then we tried to think about the context that we're going to apply the same type of architecture for us as in autonomous driving. Um, customer wants to do like level three, level four autonomous driving, which is pretty serious stuff. Um, and then we just try and adapt those that same kind of concept that's been used for web services, for example, uh to our application for autonomous driving. So there's a lot of uh, sitting around with uh, my team, which is distributed all over the world, um, all different backgrounds, all different ideas. Um, we try to put our ideas together. We, we jot it down on paper. We then assess each concept ourselves <clears throat> and now <clears throat> we're at the stage of the project now where we're pretty confident we have uh, a solution or a concept that will work for us. Um now we start to put it together. And then, of course, we have to now share it with the customer. Customer gives us some feedback, hopefully, which is a little bit hard to come by in China. So we spent a lot of time, actually, I, I spent a lot of time building PPTs for the oh, customer. Really? Yeah. So this is part of engineering design PPTs. Like autonomous driving,
1: is that like you can get your car in Melbourne and say, right, Driving to
2: fucking Sydney. Have a bit of a sleep.
0: I'm sorry, I don't understand the question.
2: (laughs) So something like that would be like a level five autonomous driving, and that's, uh, in my opinion, that's like a long, long, long way away. But uh, level four, you uh, level four autonomous driving is a little bit. uh, You can't sleep in the back of the car. You have to be ready to take over the car when the car says uh, the car basically shits itself and says, "I can't do this anymore." But the car has to keep. I need a fucking
0: Please <laughs> tell me. That's the error message that comes up on the screen uh, in Mandarin. Just like
2: oh fuck, I'm gonna yeah. shit myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. It, yeah. I've actually done the translation. It comes if, if you translate the Mandarin, it comes up too hard basket, and that means it's time to take over too hard basket. <laughs> but you get you get about anywhere between ten or ten or thirty seconds. So you know there's a lot of. Safety things you have to think about. So there's a lot of concepts, a lot of constraints, and uh, in China, the, uh, at least from uh, engineering development, the, the safety concepts come second. The the innovation and the yeah the, the innovation and the and the drive technically comes first. Yeah. So it's interesting.
0: I'd say we've we've both been on an electric scooter in uh, in China and safety definitely comes second. So <laughs> if, if you're driving uh, if you're driving a car, yeah. yeah, you're not concerned with what's going on around you. It's more the uh can I get there? So is that the is that yeah. the that's the kind of design principle? It's like, okay, we can get to A from A to B. What happens in between is not really important once we get there. <laughs> that wouldn't really, really awesome. that wouldn't really cut it in yeah. um in Germany, I, I reckon, would it? No, that's,
2: that's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, in China, it's like trying to do it and try, try to do it and uh, not get caught up in the details or does it need to have redundancy. What if there's a failure? Well, uh, let's, let's think about that second. Like what, what happens if there's a failure in one of the components or some part of the system? Um, whereas in Germany, for example, um, this would be covered like to the end of detail because they've got a lot of uh, you know safety standards that have to be passed. If you can't pass the, the safety standard, you can't put the car on the road. Um, in China it's yeah it's like you you get the solution and you get the solution working without a failure and then um, and then if you get to the hurdle of like having to pass some safety standards or meet some regulations, then, uh, then you got to start to think about it. But you know, um, we're aware of this, and uh, our teams aware of this. And so we already start to plan a little bit for what we expect. You know, the cert- certain regulations we think we have to meet. There are there are regulations in China. It's not like the wild west completely. It's a little bit wild west.
0: Wild well, east, I suppose. <laughs> yeah,
2: but uh, yeah, we try to keep it in mind and um, so that we're prepared. But the the customer wants to see the innovation and the, and the, they want to see a working demo or prototype
0: really quickly. Yeah, I think things are moving so quickly. You've got to keep the money rolling, have you?
2: Yeah, that's it. You got to.
1: Do you get there sometimes? From, put a cardboard box over yourself and pretend you're a car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we 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 had a demo actually with a cardboard box. Yeah, our whole our whole architecture. We did like a little a little uh, like I don't know concept demonstrator. It was like a window winder, an electric window winder in a cardboard
0: box. So your cardboard box can be useful.
1: Oh yeah. That's and see, uh student listeners, there's prototyping.
0: Yeah, and oh, bloody hell, teacher listeners. They might be able to do it too. Yeah. That's class. That that sounds really interesting. It so it's like um I know like from limited, well, from limited, from lots of YouTube videos, uh, it's all about getting hours driving. And, and there's all the machine learning going on, and all this kind of, this kind of stuff. So you're you're almost at an advantage of just being able to get out there and do it, rather than having to jump through hoops. That's that's quite cool.
1: Yeah. So what when you when you first started um, in in the industry, Jason, how did you yeah. get into it? How did you get into autonomous driving systems?
2: Oh, I started so. <clears throat> What was I do? First, I was working for the military and then, uh, like military technology? We're doing imaging, or, like autonomous weapons. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a radar, an imaging radar, very, very high power, very high resolution. I was just working on a basically a system, it could have been anything software and uh, system development. And then, yeah. <laughs> We, we knew what it was and we could see what it could do but i i did have a top secret classification so i can't tell ah, you anything about it cool yeah you know, send someone around to sri lanka and take
0: you out cambodia doesn't oh, there's, there's, there's enough dodgy military guys around here to take me out don't worry <laughs> uh yeah and then um what do i
2: what do i do then i moved I wanted to move around with my career and i went to do some software for a an automotive company automatic transmissions I was with them for one year it was like a stepping stone to get into um uh, the company I, I'm at now and they were doing like uh, a stability control for vehicles that was that was pretty cool because we could go and test um we could go and test vehicles and see our our work our algorithms and everything in action we take them to like uh, follow the winter go to like an ice lake huge ice lake and get cars sideways and test the stability. That was cool. And then that that started to become a bit of a commodity product and I wanted to do more cutting edge stuff. And then about I don't know, six, seven years ago, I moved into driver assistance systems like uh, radar, LiDAR, camera, ultrasonic sensors, this kind of thing. And we just did small projects for each of those sensors. And then all of a sudden, These algorithms started to become, they started to need sensor fusion. So we had to put the different sensors together, make them work together as a system. And that's when I started doing more of the systems type projects. And then once I'm doing systems type projects, it fits very well to autonomous driving. I'm still using the driver assistance sensors. But now for you know, like a level three, level four autonomous driving car. There's potentially like you know maybe 30 or 40 different sensors on board the car. So like the eyes and ears of the car. So these are huge systems.
1: So like when you like, you know, they talk about all the time, and I think Mercedes or whatever might have been some of the first to bring that in, where you you pull up and I I can do it, but I'm pretty fucking good. But where the old reverse parallel park, and the car just takes over and parks itself. So what kind of level of autonomous driving is that? That
2: that would be a level two because you're sitting in the car and if the car puts up the sign too hard basket, you have to take over immediately. I love that error message. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So if the – and then for a parking parking manoeuvre, the car's moving quite slow. And actually, the fail-safe mechanism is just to stop. So the risk risk of death or injury to the driver or to um, pedestrians around the vehicle other road users is low. So that's like level two. But if you're on a highway and you're at high speed, um, you can't, like, just stop. Let's
1: face it, Jason, if you're on a highway at high speed, you wouldn't be fucking parallel reverse parking, would you?
2: (laughs) You got a point. I think
0: you used to drive in China. I, I'm pretty sure people have tried that. Yeah, so I, I think I saw a video of someone Chinese doing <laughs> do that. The other day, we, had a, we had a guest on. We had a, a friend of ours who used to work at, at our old school. He said a, a bus driver tried to pull a Yui on a on a four lane highway. Yeah, and there was there was a median. He still tried to pull a Yui for some reason, but uh, yeah. So so you're talking about like level that's level two or three. So my old man bought a new a new German. GP didn't need to buy for him and his golf yep. clubs. And it has the sensors that when you get too close to the car in front, as he does, it beeps at him and it puts on the brakes. Yes. So he went back to the dealership and he said, There's something wrong with my car. It won't let me drive up the arse of the car in front of me. And they turned it off for him. So what level of automation is that? Is that level three? Is that because he's on the highway, I suppose, isn't he? Well, that's like a that's like a collision warning
2: and then an auto brake. Yeah. So the collision warning part, the beeping is like a level one. All right. Or a level zero. And then the auto braking, well, actually, that's also a level one. So all right. Uh, yeah. Driver's still in control of the car, driver still has the hands on the wheels, but on the steering wheel, but the vehicle will just break.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was in the control at the time, but yeah, he uh, he's still swearing yeah. about it. Yeah. When you were in school, um Going back to our context, I suppose, what um, what sort of tech subjects would you say prepared you for, or, or in any way sort of influenced your your decision about the industry you went into? Well, so like
2: yeah, like what what was available?
0: No, that's true. Yeah, sorry.
2: So like high school, high school basically maths and physics. Right. I think that's pretty much all I can really remember of being helpful to me. <laughs> And, That's not the I answer we're looking for, Jason. I still have a master of English, so I wouldn't put that one in there. Um, maths and physics, yeah. So, did
1: you have well, going through school? Did you have like, did you have classes of your standard, like your woodwork, your metalwork, like your, your technology subjects?
2: Yeah, yeah, we had uh, yeah metalwork and woodwork. We definitely had those. Yeah.
1: Obviously it's you know you a step up from you know building a pencil case box in what you're doing now, but did those subjects help you in any way work on like problem solving or you know when you're trying to make something and work out different ways to do things or
2: yeah, I think so from memory, yeah, I remember like um, winery for woodwork uh, <laughs> Like yeah, I remember seeing lots of different uh, joints, you know, like you know, like miter joints and.
1: and how different things, to the joints you've seen these days, hey Jason?
0: Four man fire, down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was all interesting. I guess
2: that was kind of interesting to me, and I maybe yeah, trying to figure out what what what's the why would I use a joint like this rather than a joint like that for this type of application. So you know that was the first yeah. time you started thinking, uh yeah, start to try and reason why you would choose one solution over another. What's the so easiest when you went
1: through, through like yeah, yeah when you were doing woodwork like woodwork as we as we called it in Victoria. Um was everyone on the same project was everyone making all right you're making a stool you're making a pencil box those sorts of things or you're more given given uh, a problem say right create a a storage container that suits the needs of someone in your family
2: yeah i think no i think we pretty much just got the um, the basic task that everybody did i can i can definitely see the advantage of yeah, having you know more loose parameters, and then I wouldn't. Uh, actually, maybe maybe I'll lie. Maybe we did get an opportunity to do something, but uh, it wasn't. We didn't really have any like real parameters because I just kept making awesome baseball bats.
0: Baseball, the famously famously uh, <laughs> popular popular
2: sport in Australia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't use it for baseball. It was meant for like for hitting stuff. Not necessarily baseballs, but you Not know the thick air.
1: Uh, you know. So, but, uh, do you yeah, think, we're like, obviously, obviously, are in MYP, um, you know, IB MYP design? Do you think if you had an opportunity when you were going through school where you had a, a design subject that incorporated your your materials as well as digital aspect of it, um, that went right through from grade six to twelve? Where it's it's more problem solving and learning skills that you need, but to solve problems, do you think that would have been beneficial for you in the career you ended up in?
2: Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think if we had a chance to yeah be a bit more creative or solve a problem, that would have helped. It would have helped me a lot. Like, I think. I didn't actually really, from from what I can remember, of high school, which is not much, um, but uh, now that I'm starting to remember a few things. Um, I remember the first time I started actually really having to use my brain was uh, was actually software development. Like we started using, like learning languages, and in that case, oh yeah, we got the you know you get the odd exercise. You had to first you have to print hello world, or you had to make like a simple application that opens an envelope, everyone would do the same thing. But even even these type applications were pretty pretty simple. You just had to use a couple of techniques. But I could definitely well, see... was
1: very cutting edge back in 1967.
0: Yeah, 67. <laughs> he also worked in the Apollo program after that, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah, no, bet uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That computer filled up the whole room. Um Yeah, did it, did it come out in a, a little ticker tape like
0: Batman?
1: <laughs>
0: the Joker did it. The, yeah, the radar, the radar <laughs>
1: program Jason was actually referring to for was sonar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it just beeps, does one circle, and then it gives you a beep. <laughs> you go know to what the beep is, and then you move slightly, and the beep. The beep moves slightly. you're like, oh, it's it's me. I'm the beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, yes. Oh, so yeah.
1: I guess sorry, sorry to cut you off, Dave. But as um, usual. Jason, I guess, yeah. So we we sent you through the um the design cycle that we use in NYP, which <laughs> we have been we have been assured that was developed. With input from industry, but if <laughs> you look at that, <laughs> you look at that cycle and say, um, "Yeah, I can see how it could work," or it's complete bollocks, or there's things in here that we just
2: don't do, or it's the wrong order, or uh, no, I think I've got it here. Just having a quick look yeah. now. Um, no, I think it all it's. If you look in at the big circle on the inside, the, yeah, the inquiry big the analysis on the
1: 16 around the outside. Yeah, and then the, the
2: different things around the outside. Yeah. The big so if you just look at the big circle, it all makes sense. You have a you inquire, I guess, yeah. Inquiring like analysis or searching for um searching for a solution to a problem fits with what I would think of from an engineering point of view. Um, <laughs> developing ideas, yeah. So for us, we typically develop multiple ideas. You maybe have three, two, or I'd say on average two to four different ideas or concepts, which is a potential solution to a problem. And then we have a um, we do like this, this what's called DA, decision analysis and reasoning, where you have uh, criteria where you can um, try to assess which is the correct solution you should use for your, as your solution, or at least attempt first. Once Mm. you've passed that, uh, yeah, then you create the solution, which is also on here, the big green box, Um, create the solution. Generally for us, we do rapid prototyping. So you want to try, like I said, the cardboard box, try our concept, cheap, quick, easy, try to prove, uh, your concept will work or fail. That's a big topic for us now. If you're going to fail, fail quickly and, and, uh, and then you can quickly change your assessment. don't get you know don't go down a path where you start forcing a solution to work. you want you want to actually what you're trying to do is work out it, whether it's going to fail and do it quickly. Um, <clears throat> yeah and then so that's part of you know, your next box evalu- evaluating. So that, yeah, you do that at prototype level, you evaluate your prototype and then that, that cycle would continue. You just inno, you know, innovate and you uh, it, sorry, iterate. You maybe try something different or you choose one of your other ideas. And yeah, that's generally the idea. But the idea is you want to prove the work, yeah, for us, it fits with this. <clears throat> prove that your idea is a piece of shit quickly or if you think it's got some merit, then you just try to work out how you can improve it. You know,
0: I think that's what we do. We try and prove that twenty or twenty out of the thirty kids' ideas are shit, and tell them to fuck off. And then <laughs> they don't,
1: they don't find one. it. They don't find it out quickly. They find it out when it's fucking due, and they like, "I have finished it because yeah,
2: shit." Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's just yeah. children.
0: Well,
1: that's good. That's. It's, yeah. I guess it's a little bit. I don't know about you, Dave, but I find it a little bit. It's it's kind of reassuring too that you know I'm all warm and fuzzy actually actually well, that. Yeah, it's great. yeah the process we're we're following is actually a, you know tried and trusted and, yeah, yeah it's, it works
0: it's like anything it's like our our school version of it is going to be a little bit wanky and uh, it's going to have bits that probably don't actually happen do you know we're not going to you're not going to force an engineer to it? write a reflection but we're going to make yeah, it and school a school student we're, do it yeah
1: we're, we're a lot more time bound too you know we see the kids yeah. you know, for only a couple of hours a week where you're doing this all day every day so you can smash through that
0: yeah, that's actually an interesting question um jason how how long between say all right we've got this idea on on a monday morning somebody's come in and said i've got this idea how long realistically between that and well shit that idea didn't work back to the drawing board what's the time scale Roughly
2: speaking. Whoa.
0: okay.
2: It so, varies on size of the project. Uh, but in terms of percentage, for the overall uh let's say time of the project, and the effort, you're well below one percent. Oh You've really? To, yeah, yeah. For us, we want to we want to come up with an idea and um or some concepts and then uh, analyze the concepts takes in, and apply the criteria to help with the analysis you want to be trying to do that oh, for us you know within within a week you want to do the, the analysis yeah, right. and then you want to and then you want to uh, start to prepare your prototype or your MVP they call it um, minimum viable product so you know something that can um, Prove to the stakeholders like the customer or whoever it might be um, that this concept will or will not work. And then you want to do that as, you know, obviously keep your costs down and you want to uh, show some progress to the customer and show that you know what you're doing and you're not just, um, you know, fucking about. Uh, maybe build the MVP or oh, maybe like a month. To be, maybe like a few yeah. weeks to build it and then a week or so to test it, run it on a few different use cases and then uh, get some data and analyse the results and then put it all together, create a PPT. You love a good so PPT. I love it.
1: Yeah. Are you doing this with the same team or have you got a team that's doing the analysis, you've got a team that's doing the, the prototyping
2: and then you've got a team doing the creating? Uh, we, in our... In our team it's uh we're like a smaller engineering services team so we kind of we're kind of like we handle niche customers that's why we do a lot of the, um the interesting projects for you know like the really innovative projects it's not for mass production um we for mass production we'll have like uh you know huge teams involved and and the, and the, those huge teams, you have guys who focus on one small part of the whole process. Um, and then for us, because we're small, we generally need to, you know, be able to um, work in all the different areas. But I would say, from from like an innovation point of view, if you're trying to find a like an innovative solution to a problem, you generally have. Uh, a team of maybe three to five people who are genuinely interested and uh, are prepared to, like, you know, put a hundred percent of their time and effort, and to prove you don't. You don't want to have um, team members who are, say, "Oh, I'm okay. I'll work. I've got other things. I'll work fifty percent," because it's not going to work. Um, if you're going to, if you want to fail quickly. And you want to, you know, prove your concept quickly and show progress, and then try and get more money out of the customer. You need to like do it and be committed and hundred percent in. Yeah. yeah. So
1: with like when you when you go through this, do you ever find you end up where, um, like accident accidental design, where you you end up with something that you think, oh shit, this could actually work. It's not for this customer, but we could actually keep this for, for something on later on?
2: Yeah, yeah. It happens a bit, I think. It doesn't, it's not like, um, it doesn't like hit you on the head like when you wake up one morning and you go, oh, shit, what just happened? I've built something that's good for everything. You tend to, um, <clears throat> it becomes apparent as you do it, from what I know. Like once you embed yourself and dive into the topic and you start to learn it. And then I find it sort of, you gradually start to see the, maybe the different applications. <clears throat> How else can I apply so that? So you've had
1: those, yeah, so you've had those instances where, I, I call your, your microwave oven moment, where you, that that was the, the accidental design, right? The, the microwave oven. So you've had those, where you've you've been able to take something that maybe was a failure for a different uh, client, but has been a, a successful product for someone else?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one actually one is one example for you that I that I remember. Um, we were trying to build a prototype for a, a reversing function for automotive, and. Um, Yeah, it was meant to avoid, the whole concept was to avoid when you reverse your car out of your driveway to avoid running over children. That was the main idea. Yeah, so it's it's very ethical. Very useful. Very useful. And and, uh, we tried it and we had a solution that I thought, like a prototype, I thought worked really, really well. We actually won an innovation contest where we got some funding to develop it. <clears throat> this this is and I, I think that sort of didn't go so well for us because um yeah like we we had had the budget, so we started to build this solution and we took our time because we knew there was budget there. It was different yeah. to real world where if you've got a, a paying customer, you don't have like this bucket of money to help. Yeah, if you're ongoing development if if you've got a paying customer yeah. and you want them to um, give you more money, for example, um, yeah, in that case you you know you you'd work a little bit more intense. so yeah we took a long time and uh, we ended up having a good product and as it turned out, um, the market didn't really need it. It was interesting eh? it's it, a acceptable it told, level of
0: children being run over.
2: yeah, yeah, that's right. And literally, it comes down to something like that, you know. It was like, for us, this is like a safety system. And then, and, and the cost to put a safety system on a car was like X amount. But then if you have, um, if, if you have another option, let's say you get to choose, you're the person choosing or trying to buy a car. You get like, you can pay $1,000 for a safety system, or you can pay $1,000 and have nice leather seats. And always, fuck people will fuck pay a thousand dollars for the leather seats <laughs> because the dickhead with the leather seats it's he a, says
0: to himself, "I'm not going to run over any kids because I'm only going to be going yeah. forwards at a million miles an hour. Yeah. If I'm going to run yeah. over, and, kids, the kids I be be <laughs> right. and the kids are going to be inside."
1: That's true, and the kids are going to be inside on their iPads right anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but you know, the consumers at that point, the consumers expect that the safety features to come, you know, as part of the car built into the cost. Um, well, that's it.
1: There's luxury. a lot of uh, there's a lot of those, you know, standard features now were were luxury items not so long
2: ago. That's right. Now they're expected well, to be a part of it. So yeah, the, that that well, whole concept that the market, <laughs> yeah, what the, what the market wanted like was uh was the restricting factor for that. But back to the point. Um, so we had this awesome working um, prototype. And then, uh, so we couldn't use it in the automotive sense, but then we applied the same concept as a, like a collision warning um, system for forklifts and other um, industrial vehicles and things like this.
0: So you're the reason that there's not so many funny forklifts falling over videos on YouTube. Cheers for that. Okay. <laughs> so you've had some cracking success by accident and by, by design. Um, what's the what's the worst thing that's well not the worst thing obviously like running over kids would probably be pretty bad but um what's the (laughs) what's the funniest fuck up that's happened during a a concept test or during development of an idea
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah so good one was uh okay a few years ago i was i went to adelaide for a uh convention like a driver assistance system Oh god, Convention. that's got
1: "fuck up" written all over it. Adelaide
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and uh, we were actually demonstrating our prototype for this um, back over children concept, or try not to back over children. And um, anyway, there was a crew next to us. I think they were from the, Uni- or oh, well, maybe sure was- yeah, Unisa or University of Adelaide. I can't remember. And they had they had a Subaru vehicle with mobile eye system. And they had calibrated calibrated the system themselves to detect kangaroos. So they had uh, they had like this large life size um, kangaroo stuffed kangaroo as their dummy. And um, of course, you know, I, I'm sure they tested the system a lot. There was a lot of media there on this day, and uh, I think they had like the main Channel Nine news reporter, like. I think only people in Adelaide would know, but, like, pretty famous in Adelaide. Um, he was in the vehicle at the time, and sure enough, they've absolutely poleaxed this uh, <laughs> this poor stuffed kangaroo. The stuffing came out of it and everything. So, yeah, I was sort of glad it happened to them and not not to me, but uh, that was a very, very enjoyable thing to watch, for sure. It like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> free free kangaroo
0: with with, with yeah, the Subaru,
2: yeah. oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> could, it could have been any car, but uh, yeah, just it just so happens it's a Subaru. But yeah, maybe they. So here, in this case, they gave the they gave the software to the to the university students who tried to do their own calibration on, on top of the software. And I don't know, maybe they didn't test it. But the but the thing is, like these driver assistance systems, they're not perfect. Like the stuff we do is not perfect at all. It's all, like, um, probabilistic. So yeah. the, there's always a chance you can have that monumental fuck-up. And uh, on this particular <laughs> day, I saw it, and so did uh, the whole of South Australia on the, on the Friday night news at 6 p.m. I was
0: live. It was all <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I
1: guess um, just, I guess, a, a last question for you, Jason, is where do you see, like, you know, let's say in the next 10 years, um, what's something that you would like to be able to achieve or the, or the industry get to that that you're still there for and part of Um, not, not a legacy item, but something that you can feel like she's always in there for the thick of that. And that's what we were able to do.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the next 10 years, I don't know. But what, what I would say is that 10 years ago, if I uh, knew what I would achieve in the next 10 years up till now and some of the things I've been involved in, I'd be pretty happy about that when I was 10 years younger, yeah. so probably mm-hmm. like 18 years old or something. Um, yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> But If I it's was to, if, well,
1: this is the thing we, we always say to kids at the moment that you know, the sh, the sh, the jobs that are going to be available when they finish university haven't even been invented now, lots of them,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I know that's it, and uh, we're in that we're in the data age now, um, and yes. uh, a lot of these sort of manual jobs will be, um, you know, taken over, boy, or taken over, or at least computers will be able to do a lot of the things that. Uh, humans can do now, but the computers will do them a lot quicker and a lot uh, cheaper and a lot um, yeah, uh, probably better in many cases and that they can do it now. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm still interested in a lot of that stuff, like uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I've looked to buy some of that. into I still enjoy working in autonomous driving and automotive. Um, I get the opportunity to apply some of this these, these new technologies. Um, so I'm to, to me the most rewarding thing is to be yeah, working and 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 playing around and um, yeah, working in this field with all the like new innovative stuff and and seeing how it changes our lives. Um, so yeah, for me that's a rewarding, most rewarding thing.
0: But my question, I suppose, to relate it back to education, because I'm I'm just such a nerd, and I love my job. Um, is I've got a lot of 16, 17 year seventeen-year-olds now, and they're they're saying like design is the most useless thing they've ever done in their lives. But if you're looking to hire someone in the morning, uh, regardless of the university degree they do, what's what things do they need to learn from from the next? five or six years of their life from school, from university, from life, in order to get into this industry, to get into designing the future of moving around?
2: Uh, uh, so, yeah, for in my industry, uh, you definitely need to, like, have it. Like, I think there are people, generally what I see is people either have an interest in tech or or not. So, yeah. Um, if people are interested in tech, they're the ones who are usually going to be able to motivate themselves. Um, and you really do need to, because there's a lot of smart people in this field doing a lot of cool stuff, and um, you're not going to be, you know, you don't want to be reinventing the wheel and you just, I'd say, read a lot of stuff, get involved in a lot of uh, groups, um, get on the forums of, of topics that are of interest to you, um, a lot of the guys that we recruit now, um, they spend a lot of time doing projects. Like you can buy, you can buy like small computers now, and they're they're they've come with like a development kit, and you can make these um, tiny little computers. You can buy on the internet for like you know fifty bucks Aussie. Um, they can do incredible things. You know they've got a lot of power and a lot of flexibility, so you can grab these these kind of devices and and start to play with them see what they can do get on the forum see what other people are doing learn from them. Um, so yeah in, in tech that's a big topic and then and then you get the guys who are real intellectuals or love uh, you know the full algorithm development for like artificial intelligence and yeah there's a lot of stuff these guys can do like for maths and whatever. But in in general, what I, what I think, I mean, I'm talking very specific to like tech in my industry. But the whole concept of problem solving will never will never change. So that's always going to be important. So rather than well, that's just make, good to know um, for design. Yeah, <laughs> we don't rather just make uh, like you said a, a wooden pencil box. I think if you start yeah. you know, putting some problems and say, give me two. Give me two or three different solutions to this problem.
0: Sounds good. And that can really yep.
2: get the, that can really get their brain thinking. Nice. So,
1: Jason, we, we we often we have two little segments that are recurring on our podcast. One's called Bin It or Win It, where we often talk about shit to do with uh, school. So, <laughs> we're just going to change it up a little bit for you here. And rather than Bin It or Win It, we're going to call it Possible or not possible
0: insert team music here we're
1: gonna we're gonna Mm -hmm. give you some things and and you need to it's just a you no explanation needed it's just your thoughts yes possible or not possible okay Okay. uh right i'm gonna start off with uh well that first one doesn't really fit because it's already possible but (laughs) i lead you in this is a bin it or win it diesel engines Diesel engines,
2: <laughs> Bennett.
1: Right, Right, good. Okay, so now we're on to the possible or not possible. Okay. They will just edit out my fucking- Oh,
0: yeah, okay. Possible, up, not possible. It's on. my job. All right. Editing out your fuck Okay.
1: Autonomous
2: factories. Possible. Hyperloop. Hyperloop. Yeah. Possible. Can, I, can I add something? Yeah, possible <laughs> yeah. but. Possible but- uh, Oh, you know, we talk about market and uh, all the other factors. Technically possible. There you
0: go. Is it uh,
2: a marketable product or no? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. How about uh, Americans driving electric cars? (laughs) Wanting to drive electric cars.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, possible. Possible. (laughs) Some. Not all. (laughs) Orca. autonomous aircraft possible they're almost autonomous completely autonomous already
1: yeah but but they're not level five are they they're only not level five. four because you've got to have yeah, fucking captain five. dixie pants up the front there
0: speaks of rain i reckon they're on it uh, <laughs> <laughs> and lastly
1: yeah affordable Level five autonomous vehicles. Now, when I say affordable, I'm talking for you every day. You know, like your your fifteen right. to twenty thousand dollar car.
0: That's a cheap car. Uh,
2: possible, but a long, long way away. So, when you when you
1: get your when do you think is fully? well, this is a hard question because who knows what's going to happen? Do you see a a fully autonomous vehicle within 5 years
2: uh if you're talking about like a private vehicle owned by somebody uh like a like, a, a like a, person.
1: yeah like a yeah. Like, like when we talk about you know the way tesla came along and revolutionized the yeah um electric car industry do you see yeah. How long till something like that—that's a fully autonomous vehicle?
2: Yeah, well, five years not possible.
1: What about
0: uh, the likes of, say, Uber or uh, a ride-sharing company or a big company doing it?
2: Yeah, now so now it was starting to get interesting because getting ride-sharing type applications or um, dedicated uh, A to B um, service in an in a exclusive lane or um, operational domain is uh, achievable now. So and, M- Melbourne and bus
0: not crashing into anybody else on the way from here to here.
2: Yeah,
1: that's called a yeah. fucking public bus where you don't have to drive it. You <laughs> sit in it and it has a designated yeah. lane and it gets you from A to B. Yes, fair
2: enough.
1: Possible. Cool. That's all it's possible then, isn't it? All right. Yeah. If your last Alright,
0: so our last segment is usually this is because teachers have to deal with children, so we're all alcoholics as demonstrated um, yeah. Engineers being problem solvers have a lot of problems to solve and, and one of our problems is, could you describe yourself in a professional manner as a drink if your engineering problem solving style was to be encapsulated in a cocktail what would that cocktail be? oh uh
2: okay uh i'll say espresso martini because uh yeah you know <laughs> because it gives you because espresso the caffeine gives you a rush and you have to work really quickly really fast there you go That's nice. it's
0: nice it's in a fancy it, it's, it's in a fancy glass but it's actually just vodka and a cup of coffee I
1: thought, he, right. I thought he was going to go down the lines of a triple jack, a triple jack and coke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a civil engineering.
2: I've <laughs> thought about it, but that, that, that'd be more for drinking, not for describing myself. I'm more of a single man. But last time I did triples, I ended up in hospital.
0: And that's a different podcast.
1: Yes. All <laughs> right, well, Jason, it's been great to have you in the Learning Factory, uh, spend a bit of time, and, and diving into, you know, what happens beyond the classroom, um, these kids that uh, you know, we managed to get through, if we haven't broken them. Um, them. God <laughs> there, is, there is a lot there. So, yes, thanks. It's been great to have you
2: on. Enjoyed it. Yeah, cheers. No worries. No worries. Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, go Dees. And, uh, yeah, hope you're, hope you're going well in,
0: uh, in Sri Lanka and Cambodia. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Mm-hmm. All right, good chat there with Jason Gillespie of uh, unnamed unnamed high-tech company who might sue us if we tell who he works for. Uh, for. Sure, quick Google and do it, but we're not responsible for that quick Google. So um, actually good to see that the design cycle is not a crock of shit. Nice to get that proof. It is,
1: it is. And that, yeah, and it was, uh, it's good to pick up a few little, uh, you know, we work in IB. We fucking really, we get a real kick and, you know, real warm, fuzzy feeling when we learn a new acronym. Um,
0: yeah. Was it D A R?
1: D D A R, yeah. I don't
0: Which know what it means. I have to listen back to see what it means.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's basically justifying your design choice.
0: That's what I'm going to tell my kids tomorrow morning, even though we did criteria and B three weeks ago.
1: What was the other one about prototyping? Uh, Fuck knows. Not MPR, uh, that's multi-purpose oh, uh, um, M-
0: not MVV, that's vehicle. Oh, uh, MPV, that's multi-purpose vehicle. MVP. Most valuable
1: multi
0: most valuable right. person, but it's uh multi. I
1: don't think it was MVP.
0: We're gonna have to listen to our own podcast to figure that one out. Ooh. Answers on a postcard on at TLF tweets on Twitter, where we're still, still banging on about getting our the world's favorite physicist on. I think the level of guests is climbing steadily you now. With um, we've had two quality Jasons in a row, um, so we I have, think we we, 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 have, we think we can uh, we can bump it up to getting Coxie on now. We just got to keep plugging away.
1: Yes, uh, I haven't seen a growing uh, trend in hashtags of get Coxie to the factory. Um, Let's make it happen. Takes a village,
0: pipe dreams as it may be. There there is an end to a pipe, you know. Uh, so that's coming up on the horizon. We've got uh, the. The one true science of design is gonna welcome the lesser sciences. Uh, We're gonna have some some special guests talking about parallels and we might even venture into diploma level in group four. God help us. And uh, various things coming up in the second half of uh, this semester as we edge closer and closer to normality. Uh, So yeah, thanks for joining us on The Learning Factory. Remember to like, share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us a lot. Support your independent podcasts and fuck the other guys because they've got loads of money. And I'm doing this in my spare time, in my spare room. What kind of day is it? Happy days. Happy days. All right. Look.
1: You have been listening to the Learning Factory. End of recording.